Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. That's the case with this, with this situation. Mary is totally despondent at this point, and she's about to have the best honor that anybody on this planet has ever had. She's going to see the risen Lord, and it's going to be her eyes who see him for the first time. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But at this point, she's looking down. And so she stooped down, looking down, literally is what it says in Greek. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. Now she probably knows that they're angels after the fact. At this point, she maybe just may just be thinking that they're men. In any case, she doesn't care. She's not like, what are you dudes doing sitting in Jesus's tomb? Why are you sitting at one end and the other end of the grave clothes? What's, what's going on in here? And by the way, where, you, where were you just a couple of minutes ago when Peter and John showed up? What's a, and she's not thinking about any of that stuff. All she's thinking about is the fact that she has no idea where the body of Jesus is. And so she literally cannot do the one thing that she wanted to finally do for him because of all the things that he had done for her. It says in verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And this is something that, again, is common when you're looking at the resurrection appearances. And so with the two guys on the road to Emmaus, they don't know it's Jesus. They're just having a conversation with the guy. They don't, they don't, know, they don't know who he is. And it's not until they get him to come with them to sit down and eat he takes, the Bible says he takes the bread and he goes to break it. And as soon as, they, as soon as he did this, they realized it was Jesus. I wonder why. And it's probably because he took the bread to break it and they saw nail prints in his hands at that point. We know he bears the marks of the crucifixion after the fact. I don't know why they didn't know him, you know, face to face. And I kind of think that because Jesus could have just withheld himself, you know, his his identity from them. He could have clouded their minds, clouded their eyes. He can do whatever he wants, right? But the Bible says he bore the marks of the crucifixion. And so the Bible teaches that when Jesus was crucified, they pulled out his beard. So all you guys that have had beards, all you guys that have beards, when I've had beards, I've always had some little kid that I would pick up and they would decide to grab my beard and not let go. Usually it's a baby. Grab my beard and not let go and just yank on that thing. And if you have little kids or you have grandkids and they grab your beard, you know how painful that can be. Well, just imagine a man coming up and grabbing your beard and ripping it out and what that would do to your face. The Bible also says that when Jesus was beating, beaten, they put a bag over his head. 
and then they pummeled him. They punched him in the face and said, prophesy, prophet, who hit you? And when I, you guys ever been hit in the face? How many of you have not been hit in the face? Raise your hands. Okay. So some of you have never been hit in the face. Guess what? It hurts. <laughs> it hurts when you're expecting it. It's hurt, it hurts when you can see it coming. Having a bag over your head and having, having somebody swing on you, you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know what kind of swing he's got, you, get, you have no way to prepare for it or back off from it or to do anything like that, you're gonna get hit full force and it's gonna do some damage. And so when you're talking about the face of Jesus, that kind of thing is something that would um, change his face. It would move his face around, right? And so he would be swollen, all of that kind of thing. And again, he's bearing the marks of the crucifixion. He probably had the marks of the crown of thorns still on his forehead. And so I think that probably what was happening with these guys is they saw a guy with a disfigured face and they don't know who it is. And have you ever been around anybody with a disfigured face? Have you noticed what you do when you're around somebody with a disfigured face? You don't look at them, not if you're polite. You don't want to stare, and people who, who have that kind of handicap, they notice those things, they know where you're looking, you know, that kind of stuff. If they, you know, I, I've known guys that uh, have had brain surgeries, and so they'll have scars on their head, and unfortunately, like me, they lose their hair or something, so there's a big old scar on their head, and they can tell when you're looking at the scar, right? And so generally, people are polite, and you see that, and you don't want to look at, at them like that, and so you keep your eyes averted at that point. And so I think with those guys, that may have been the case. That may have been what, what, what's going on. And again, Jesus can hide himself if he wants to. He can do that. But when, they, when he appears in the room to the disciples, you have the same thing. They're sitting there thinking, you know, they're looking at him and they believe it's the Lord, but they're not quite sure if it's the Lord or not. And he has to say, you know, come up here and handle me. It's me. It is actually me. So you come up and handle me, see my, you know, see my hands, see, my, see, my, see the hole in my side, you know, come and feel me, you can, I'm not a ghost. And you can tell that it's me. And so there's something going on there. And the same thing happens with Mary, except for with Mary, I think it's probably just tears. I think she's crying, you know, she's, she's, she's gonna be weeping. And so John, when he looked into the tomb, he was worshiping. Mary, when she looks into the tomb, she's weeping. And it's not until the appearance of the Lord that her sorrows turned to joy. And that's what you see next. It says, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she supposing him to be the gardener said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Is she thinking there? So Mary's pro probably max a buck 20 and Jesus got his beating. And after the beating, Pilate had him come up and stand up and said, behold the man. And probably the reason that Pilate did that is because Jesus was still standing after the beating that he got. Je Jesus was a man's man. You know, it's like whenever you, when you're, whenever you see him uh, pictured in movies and on TV and, and that kind of thing, a lot of times he's a wimpy guy. And so most of the movies that I grew up with Jesus, you always have this skinny little guy that uh, is up on the cross and, and that kind of stuff. The guy was a carpenter, but he was, a, he was like a real carpenter. He's a carpenter who goes out and cuts down the tree carpenter. 
takes the tree back to the shop carpenter, cuts the tree up into boards or into slices, it, you know, splits it in, into different parts so that he can fashion whatever he's going to fashion type of carpenter. Um, the word for carpenter is a word that in Greek actually can be translated a builder. And so uh, it was a term that was used for stonemasons also. And carpentry in those days included, included laying stone. When you were building houses, you were building them out of stone and usually the rafters were, carp or were uh, wood and so there was carpentry involved and you had railings and that kind of stuff. So there's all this stuff that's going on with Jesus, but he's a builder and he's the kind of builder that's carrying the materials. And so he's not the builder who, who goes down to the lumber yard, has these guys loaded up on the truck, they bring it down to the job and you know, it slides off the back of the truck and then he come, they come along with their lull, with their lift and pick up the lumber and stick it on the subfloor so that you can get to it. He's not that kind of carpenter. And so Jesus was a, he was a laborer, he was a hardworking man and so that makes muscle. When Jesus flipped the tables, when he went into the temple, those tables we know from history were marble. They were big marble tables. And so generally speaking, modern men are bigger than people were down back during that time of history. And yet, if you had a full-blown marble table like what's, what's being spoken about, what you see in the histories, we'd, we'd be hard-pressed to flip them. And so he had to be a strong man to do this, this kind of thing. And so when you're looking at what Mary says here, she says to who she thinks is the gardener, tell me where they've laid him and I will come and carry him away. Not likely. I'll, I'll, and again, she's just in the middle of the situation and she's not thinking about the specifics on that. You know, and Jesus doesn't come back at her with, how are you gonna carry him away? <laughs> or, or anything like that. It would, it would have been funny if, she, if he would have said, Mary, how are you gonna carry me away? You're a buck 20 and I'm, you know, 190 pounds or whatever. In any case, I had a, back when, back when I was younger, um, I was having a conversation with a lady about being a fireman. And so it was a brand new thing. Ladies were getting into the fire department. And one of the things that I said to her is, you know, firemen carry people out of buildings. And so how's she gonna carry people out of, the, out of a building? And this girl who's at my Bible study said, yeah, I can carry people out of a building. And I said, carry me. And I just laid down on the ground. And both her and my wife could not move me. They couldn't move, they're so weak. <laughs> and again, just, just to make the point, men are different than women and Mary's, Mary's not thinking about what's going to happen. In any case, she says to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And it's with one word that Mary recognizes who she's talking to. Because she's heard, she'd heard him say that over and over and over since he met her. And one of the things that I've noticed about people who are hurting or who have been hurt, is that they like, to, they like to be called by their name. They like it when somebody who cares about them says their name. And I, I believe that every time Jesus said Mary's name to her, she 
Well, she treasured it. And so when this happens, and he hears his, she hears his inflection on, uh, which would be Miriam in Hebrew. When he hears his inflection and the way, the way that he speaks, she recognizes him immediately. And she says, teacher, Rabboni. And at that point, she does a leg lock on the man. And that's why he's saying, I've not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And all Jesus is saying there, it's not, there's nothing mystic about that. All he's saying is, I'm not leaving yet, Mary. <laughs> I'm here, I'm gonna be here. And when we get to the book of Acts, we find out that he was there for 40 days, appearing to the disciples and Mary. She would have been with them for 40 days. And so he's, he's like, you don't have to keep on touching me. You don't have to hold on to me. And it's not that, you know, it's like something special was going on with his, his resurrection body because in the, in the next passage, we're gonna read about Thomas and Jesus comes to Thomas and says, here, you know, put your fingers in the holes in my hand and put your, you know, your fist in my side. He doesn't say, don't touch me because I haven't yet ascended. And so all Jesus is saying here is I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And then he talks about um, ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. You notice how he says that? He doesn't say, I'm going to our father and to our God. He says, I'm going to my father and your father and to my God and your God. That's how he says it. You know why? Because God the Father is Jesus's father in a different way than he's my father. It's not the same. So Jesus is the only begotten son of God. He's the one who came from God. He, he's the one who represents God. He's, for, for one of a better idiom, he's bone of God's bone, flesh of God's flesh. Not that God has bone and flesh, but he has the same nature as the Father. I do not have the same nature as the Father. I'm given the Holy Spirit and God is making me into something that looks like Jesus, but I don't have the same nature as the Father. And I'm always, I'm always going to be subordinate to God. I'm, a, I'm subordinate to Jesus. I'm subordinate to the Holy Spirit, subordinate to the Father. I will be higher than angels though. And so God's make, going to be making me into something that's awesome and I'm going to be Christ-like especially in my nature, that's happening more and more as I get older in the Lord. I'm gonna be Christ-like in my nature and finally I'm gonna be perfected, but I'm still gonna have a different relationship with the Father than Jesus has because Jesus is one with the Father and that's not, that's not where I live. I'm adopted and that's what's happening with you too. You're in the Father's family, but you've been adopted into the family of God. And so we all come into a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ is son, but we've been adopted into that family. And to my God and your God. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, he prayed, right? And so who's he praying to? He's praying to the Father, he's praying to God, right? And so when Jesus was on the earth, he was also a man. So the Bible makes this clear that Jesus was actually a man. And so he's fully man and fully God. So the Bible flat out calls him God, and, but it also talks about the fact that he's a man. When we went through John chapter five, we saw that Jesus said that the father showed him all things that he was to do and the works that he did were exactly like the father's works. But then he said, and the father will show me, which means it hasn't happened yet, will show me greater works than these that you may marvel. 
And so the point that I'm making here is that when Jesus was on the earth, he was really doing humanity. He, was re- he wasn't cheating. He was really doing humanity. And so Jesus was tempted, for, the, for example, the Bible says, in all points, just as we are, yet without sin. And so Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. Jesus does not know what it's like to sin. But he was tempted just like you. He was tempted just like me. And yet he didn't sin. By the way, that lets you know that temptation is not sin, is it? So temptation is temptation. When you act on the temptation, whether you do it in your mind or whether you do it physically, that's when it becomes sin at that point. And so just the fact that Satan comes up and goes, think of this, you know, while you're sitting in church. You know, when I first started going to church, I, you know, there were, there were all kinds of cute girls in church and I was a young man, I was a teenager. I go to church and I really wanted to be there to worship Jesus and we're singing songs and, and all that kind of stuff. And I would look over and there'd be some really cute girl and in my head, Satan would go, look at her. She's just a babe. And you know, all these things would start going through my head and I'm like, oh, oh, you know, I'm wicked, I'm evil. I'm sitting here in church and thinking these things. What's wrong with me? And you know, that, that kind of thing. I thought I was just messed, a messed up unit. I almost wanted to do it out loud. I, I don't know what I looked like, but probably other guys in the room could, you know, see my face and, and realize what was going on. And the reason they would realize that is because they had been doing it too, you know? <laughs> so there'd be those kinds of things. I was so glad when I heard that that's nothing but temptation and that you haven't sinned unless you're sitting there dwelling on those things. I was so glad. And I realized after that point that it was just something Satan was doing to try to get my mind off the Bible study, off what was happening there. You will see this happen when you're praying. You decide to pray and everything's gonna be coming up. You'll be in the middle of your prayer saying, Jesus, will you just please forgive me for my sin and help me to forgive those who've sinned against me. And then Satan will come along and say like, Joe, and the thing that Joe did to you, and the fact that he did it to you, and he did it in front of other people, and he's never said that he was sorry, and he says he's a Christian, and your head will just go, and then, you know, five minutes later, you're like, oh, uh, Lord, I was talking to you, (laughs) and you come right back to it. One of the things that happens when I pray is everything that I need to do, everything that I've forgotten that I'm supposed to get done, and this will be jobs around the house or it'll be things that I need to do at work and things like that. Everything that I need to do comes to mind all of a sudden. And I was always like, you know, at, at first I was like, you know, Satan, get out of my face. I'm not thinking about work right now. I'm not thinking about fixing my house right now. You know, I'm, I'm praying. So just get out of my face. And then I decided, you know what? I'm gonna start writing those things down. And so when I pray now, and that kind of, it doesn't happen anymore because it doesn't work. But when I started doing that, I would pray. And I, I had a tablet, I had a, a piece of paper and a pencil by my bed so that when I prayed and Satan started bringing up everything that I needed to do, I just lean over and I'd write it down and just go, thank you, devil. <laughs> write it down and then move on and, start, and continue praying. And what I'm telling you is that Satan will attack you in, the, in these kinds of areas because, again, he doesn't, he doesn't want you getting closer to the Lord. In any case, Jesus prayed to the Father, right? 
He's praying to the Father. So he's acting like a man. The Bible says he subjected himself to the Father because he was acting like a man. And he was showing us how humanity goes. And so when Jesus was here on the earth, God was his God, but not in the same way that he's mine. Because Jesus is uncreated. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus was with God before time began. That's what, that's what John chapter one says. In the beginning, that means in arche in Greek, it means from the vanishing point was the word and the word was with God and God was the word is what it says there in Greek. And so Jesus has always existed. There was never a time that he wasn't. He wasn't created. He didn't come into existence after God was there. And so when you're looking at Jesus having this relationship with his father, he's Jesus's father in a different way than he's mine. The father is Jesus's God when he was here on earth in a different way than he's my God, because my God created me. I'm nothing but dust. Adam came from dust, Eve came from Adam, and we're all descended from them. That's where we come from. God formed us into existence. There was a time when man was not, and then God made him. And so God is my God, he's my creator, and so it's a different situation than we have with Jesus. Okay, a couple more things I, I wanted to do with you. One of the questions is, when you're looking at the, at the crucifixion and the resurrection, how long was Jesus in the grave? Three days and three nights. That's the verse that everybody always picks, three days and three nights. And that's in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, where Jesus says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so I will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. By the way, telling you where Hades is in the heart of the earth. That's Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. But when you're going through the rest of the New Testament, three days gets a lot more amorphous. And that's what I wanna do with you right now. Turn over to Matthew 16, 21. Matthew 16, 21. In verse 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and be killed and be raised the third day. Okay, so if you got three days and three nights, it's one day, that's the first day, and one night, the second day, and the second night, that's, that's the second day, and then the third day, and the third night, and so when would Jesus be raised? On the fourth day. If he's in the grave for three days and three nights, he's gonna be raised on the fourth day. And what this says is he's gonna be raised on the third day. So which one is it, okay? So just leave that there. If you look over at chapter 17 in verse 23, starting verse 22, it says, now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up. It's the third day. So first day is the first day, second day is the second day, and the third day is the third day. So is he raised on the third day or on the fourth day? Because if he's in the grave three days and three nights, he has to be raised on the fourth day, okay? And so I'm gonna give you a list here. Matthew chapter 20, verse 19, Mark 10, 34, Luke 9, 22, Luke 24, 46, Acts 10, 40, 1 Corinthians 5, 4, all say that Jesus was raised on the third day.
You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.